Greetings, fellow wonders in the fourth dimension. My name is the Doctor, but you can call me Emma. What am I a Doctor of? Whatever makes me sound clever. As usual, I'm joined by my faithful hashtag graffiti companion, Mr. Michael Mould. How are you, sir? How are you doing? Very good, mate. And um, yeah, so this week we are talking about Flatline, mm. ninth episode of the current series. We're three quarters of the way through already. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Go for it. Can we keep Jamie Matheson? Yes, can we keep Jamie Matheson? Because he's, he's just absolutely on fire. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. Mm. Uh, so he so he wrote last week's episode as well as this one's. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, as far as I'm concerned, he's kind of two for two. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Because, you know, again, once again, as I usually do at the top of the show, spoiler alert, I thought this was a tremendous episode. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure how this one was going to go, but um, this this is brilliant. I mean, the, the <coughs> enemies in the show were just a great sort of piece of Lovecraftian work and... It was you know, sort of like wonder whether, you know, a lot of people have been sort of like going on about how this should be called Clara Who. I wonder if they sort of like wrote this one <laughs> to sort of like yeah. play with those people. Yeah, I think that I think it might be a, a touch of that, actually. And I think I'm going to come back to that later. So I mm. think I want to put a bookmark in that because something kind of came up on Twitter mm. that I kind of wanted to discuss a little bit. So... But, um, yeah, I think as a story, I think these, these are absolutely solid as it comes. And I was sitting there after the episode mm-hmm. and um, I watched it with a bunch of friends. And at the end, we were just all sitting there kind of. It was kind of like that stunned silence thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was just like, wow. And it was one of those episodes that when you sit there, like people were reacting. And there's mm-hmm. a certain point, which I think a lot of people probably did the same. It was just like a round of applause in my living room when it <laughs> happened. I'm talking, of course, about the old da-da-da-da, Adam's Family Manoeuvre. <laughs> oh, I just, when, it, when you actually, you know, awesome. I, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, I think if any other show even tried that, yeah. I mean, they, they milked that mini TARDIS thing for every ounce that they could, and it was tremendous. I didn't hate any of it. Mm. It's so easy. They could have been so cheesy, but, I mean, that thing where he's bloody handing the sledgehammer out of her <laughs> handbag or, you know, he's p- trying to get her attention with this big hand coming out of there and, yeah. you know, the Sonic and then his flipping face, you know, looking out of that one little... One mm. little gap in the TARDIS. I mean, it was just, it, it so could easily go sort of into the farce thing. Mm. But what was nice is because it was kind of, I think it was a tremendously like dark episode and really actually genuinely scary. Mm. It was nice to have those sort of, you know, lighter moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only sort of like bit that didn't work with me was when you had uh, Capaldi's face appearing behind the TARDIS doors. I thought okay. that that kind of didn't work as well as the other stuff. But when you had like his hand poking out... Yeah. And, that, and things like that that was great i think it was just just when you sort of like i don't know whether it was just like like the the matte effect that it did for it but uh it was just i mean it, overall the idea like you say it could have been just completely shit but yeah they pulled it off spectacularly i mean especially when you have like capaldi trying to unfold himself from like the, the four foot tardis <laughs> yeah i did like that bit when he's trying to get out of the the medium-sized one. I mm. mean, I did sort of think I would like one of those to just sort of sit in. That would be nice if I could get like a, like a, like, you know, like a tent version of that. So I, I would be in there reading books, mm. you know, <laughs> drinking tea if you'd let me. But um, yeah, I mean, like I say, those sort of visual gags—they're so hard to pull off properly. But mm. 
yeah, I just think they just did. They just went for it, and you know, I just I so admire that, and it was tremendous. Yeah, and it's also nice that they actually tied it into the story. It could have been like one of those things that seemed completely random mm. thing to happen. Because I mean, I'm trying to like think back to like Legopolis, which is mm. like the other sort of like, main time the TARDIS has shrank, and I'm trying to like. I don't know whether it was just like the master messing about or what, what it was the, like the block computations or mm. whatever. But it, to me, remembering Logopolis, it seemed a bit like random. It's like, oh, we need a cliffhanger. Um, quick. Okay. The TARDIS shrinks. There you go. That'll do. Yeah. But at least here you can sort of like pin it on the boneless, um, reaching off dimensions. Again, so uh, uh, 10 out of 10 with the creepy names this mm. this year. Um, <laughs> the Boneless is a brilliant name for such a thing. But I think that um, I was gen- I was genuinely disturbed, not disturbed by, but like taken aback by the thing where they rise out of the, the floor in the train tunnels. Mm. That was actually oh. one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Mm. Well, also the bit um, where the guy got grabbed by the giant hand. I mean, Ooh, when, yeah. I, when I was watching that on the iPlayer on my television, I didn't see the hand coming until it actually grabbed him. But when I was watching it back on my Mac to do the show, I could actually like see it coming out. So they did sort of like like give you a bit of a warning. But um, like when I was watching it on the TV, it was like all of a sudden giant hand. Like oh shit! Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean watching it with you know on first blush. I mean yeah. I didn't see it until it grabbed him. Mm-hmm. And again, because it, it's so easy for that to be too much and too cheesy or kind of the effect that kind of knocks you out of the of the show mm-hmm. but it happens about half an hour in so you're so invested you just go with it and mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it was really perfectly judged mm-hmm. um i think the the very best thing about this episode is it's getting that kind of we call this sort of a moffat trope but i think jamie matheson has kind of really got on board with this mm-hmm. this sort of this, just take a simple idea so the creatures that only exist in two dimensions mm. and then how can we make this as creepy as humanly possible i mean that bit where they walk into the bedroom where the police officer's just been sort of melted into the floor mm. and her nervous system is on the wall yeah <laughs> and then they sort of slowly realize mm-hmm. how um sort of what that is and what they saw on the other wall, which turned out to be an extremely magnified piece of skin. Mm. I mean, just sort of ideas like that. It'd be so easy to be like, oh, they're all flat. But, you know, to take to really sort of pick apart that idea and break it down and make it so weird and creepy, I thought was excellent. Mm. And also so in the, the same sequence when uh, the boneless start moving towards uh, Clara and uh, Rigsy and the, the, the sofa sort of collapses... Yeah, it just sort of folds in like a bit of paper. Yeah, that was that was some like pulled guy shit that right there. Yeah, I mean it was really good that they could sort of play with that dimension, like cause when you're sort of looking at it from a certain angle, like when they flatten the door handles and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it straight on, it looks fine, but then the camera just sort of slowly pans around, and you can see it's flat. Mm-hmm. And actually, sort of one of the best uh, deaths in it, where they're in the uh, sort of the uh, the train yard. Mm-hmm. And you see um, the chap sort of standing, but then as the camera pans around, you can see he's sort of just painted up several yeah. pieces of the uh, of the wall. And actually, that was in the trailer for this episode, and I wish it wasn't mm. because I wish I'd seen. I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, that that was kind of a shame. But um, I think sort of maybe if you look at it out of context, you wouldn't realise it's it could it could have just been sort of like random person got mm. by the boneless. But uh, no, you're right. It was uh, it was a shame they did put that bit in but i suppose you've got to try and sell the episode as well so 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't blame them for sort of putting the best bits in the trailer because mm. you've got to. But, um, yeah, it's it, obviously I'm just sort of talking from kind of a nerdy perspective as, you know, oh, I wish I'd been scared by that. But, yeah, I just think that it it's, it, it was such a, a great idea, but it, it, so, it so could easily have been really kind of naff. Mm. And how they sort of managed to make it so scary and so effective. I mean, every time they sort of did the 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 effect of something being put into two dimensions mm-hmm. it was kind of effective every time yeah. as well which is nice i mean right at the end where the the train is sort of smeared up the wall of the tunnel mm-hmm. i mean that was brilliant i mean you knew it was coming but then you saw it and you're like oh you know and <laughs> yeah it's like it's like to create some undoctory solution to the problem just try and ram them with this train <laughs> Yeah, and everyone's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. Um, so, uh, talking of Doctor E solutions, Clara mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm. How interesting. Yes. And it's it's sort of interesting, sort of like, if we're, if you don't mind me jumping towards the end of the show. Oh, absolutely not, no. Um, when she's sort of like going on with the Doctor about, you know, why can't you just admit I was a good Doctor? She's mm. a bit too, like, invested in, like, being praised for what she's done rather than what the Doctor's doing, which is you know, mourning the losses, you know, because yeah. that, that's that's kind of the Doctor's modus operandi. Yes, he can do the right thing. It's not necessarily the good thing, but he can do the right thing, but a lot of people die in the process. It's kind of, it's very much a continuation. This is kind of like part two, really, of um, what was brought up in the end of Mummy on the Orange Express. And in Kill the Moon, actually. Mm. These, these three have been kind of a sort of a beginning, middle and end of that, kind of Clara and the Doctor sort of coming together in terms of understanding each other's position. Mm. I mean, especially the, the, the Clara sort of realising that what it actually, what the Doctor actually has to do to get the results that he gets. Mm-hmm. And she very easily moves into that role of being that pragmatist thing of like, okay, I've got to keep them, you know, I've got to give them some hope or they won't run fast, you know, and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that you know something quite telling that Moffat said was that you get you get this the thing that the doctor is you know is thinks that she is an excellent companion and an mm-hmm. excellent doctor or a doctor surrogate but he's maybe not he's not happy that he sort of made it into this mm-hmm. it's definitely rubbing off on it it absolutely is and something that we keep coming back to that old you know the davros mm-hmm. uh, stuff you know about taking ordinary people and turning them into weapons because you won't fight you you claim to be a pacifist but you won't and you won't fight but you sort of do it through these people yeah i mean clara is kind of the prime example of that mm-hmm. so it's it's like he says in deep breath i've made many mistakes you could easily see that he's talking about things like that but you know history is repeating itself again yeah and it, it seems it almost seems like he can't avoid it almost mm. because he knows what must be done and in order to have someone come with him you can't have someone fight you every step of the way, but you don't want to turn them into himself. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really it's really sort of it's complex, and I it, I appreciate that they're bringing it out, but I must say, as as uh, a person who's sort of from the beginning of Deep Breath has sort of been a bit cautious about how they're treating this Doctor and making him maybe too unlikable, mm-hmm. they've actually I think they've actually brought that full circle with this one. Mm-hmm. I think the stuff we really wanted to see from Capaldi, like sort of the jokes and the the more joyful side. I mean, that flipping dad dance he does. 
after he drags himself out of the way of the train and you know stuff like that and you've got kind of you've got the serious stuff you've got the sarky stuff you've got the the gentle side of him mm-hmm. you kind of the serious stuff everything that we kind of wanted and you get that big kind of bit of the end with you know i am the doctor and you know i'm gonna stop you and all this sort of thing and mm. you know basically hiduking the the boneless <laughs> out of the tunnel yeah i think that it was kind of like an almost like a punch the air moment for me i was like yes mm. right now we've kind of got through all this stuff you know and yes we've still got character stuff with clara mm-hmm. but we've i feel like we've gone through an arc with this doctor yeah and finally he's sort of someone we can really sort of root for and feel all right about rooting for again mm-hmm I think maybe that's like been the the plan for this one is just like mm. like strip the doctor back to like his most like raw um traits but then sort of like build build him back up again so he he can sort of get go yeah you know this is the guy we want to see yeah absolutely is and um but I, I what I really liked is uh also, the fact that we've got kind of the Doctor Clara or Doctor mm-hmm. Oswald, she picks up a companion. Yay! So in Rigsy. Yeah, he was pretty good actually. I liked him. I really enjoyed Rigsy. I thought he was tremendous, mm. and uh, you know, I thought he was a really great actor. You know, I did like the fact that sort of the Doctor kind of dismisses him out of hand, but when mm-hmm. he starts talking about uh, locked room mysteries, which the Doctor's just been talking about, he's like, "Oh, actually, mm-hmm. perhaps he's worth keeping around." <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, he's kind of, if the, Clara was the Doctor, mm-hmm. he would be the absolute ideal companion. Mm. So, I have another question for you. Do okay. you think this episode is kind of like we sort of like talked about with, like, Missy possibly being a female master? Mm-hmm. Do you think this episode is kind of like, like a testing the waters to see, like, how people would take to a female Doctor? Actually, this is this actually kind of links into the kind of the Clara taking the lead in this one mm. which things I saw on Twitter because I saw one person say this absolutely shows that a woman can take to can play the role mm-hmm. and absolutely but I think any actor can play the role mm-hmm. it's just you know are they into it and are they good and are they what they want what the the showrunner wants to do with the doctor mm. regardless of gender I've that's kind of always been my, my, our position I think on it yeah. both of us I don't think there's any reason why, but I don't really necessarily see this episode as like the deal breaker almost. Mm. The thing that says, oh, the next Doctor absolutely should be a woman because in this one episode, Clara did the Doctor's job. Yeah. I mean, if you look at something like, I think, is it is it Horns of Nymon that Romana ends up mm. sort of doctorless for most of it and she sort of ends up traipsing around with two kind of idiot companion kind of characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we've had... And even back to 2005, we've had episodes where the Doctor wasn't in it much mm-hmm. and we've had the the female companion take the lead. So I don't think this is the, the thing that's going to kind of make the scales fall from the producer's eyes and mm. go, we must cast a woman next. Yeah, this is going to be the thing that makes producers change their minds if they're adamantly against the woman. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I saw someone else <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, someone on... No, it was... Uh, Chuck was reading the comments. Mm-hmm. And, Hang on. Uh, I know that's, that's my job. job. <laughs> you probably read the same comment. Probably. Someone actually said... Gave this episode 4 out of 10, <laughs> right? And said the Doctor had been castrated... Castrated. Yeah, I just read right? that. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, what an interesting choice of words. Yeah. I, t- I don't see... Th- 
ha- what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole thing that somehow Clara going out and, you know, going doing the doctor's job, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. takes away from him in any way. No, just I mean... In the episode, he was just in the TARDIS in her handbag. Yeah, he was, he was incapacitated. He was incapacitated. It doesn't... <laughs> I just thought castrated was such a bizarre kind of way and, you know, mm. it just sort of speaks volumes to this sort of section of fandom who's kind of seems to be terrified of women. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I think they're in a very, very, very tiny minority. Mm. But I think this view does exist. And something else that kind of grated on me... At the beginning of the episode, I mean, we're going to come back to Danny mm-hmm. and this whole situation that Clara has created. Yeah, she was very sort of like adamant in reaffirming that, yeah, no, he's totally fine with this. No, he's absolutely fine. He's totally fine with this. It's like, I mean, obviously the Doctor right, very rightly picks up on that and calls her out for it. Well, actually, I was surprised he didn't call her out more. Mm. At the end of the episode, I was waiting for him to go, oh, all right then, fuck off then, sort of thing. <laughs> Um, but he, it was like, it just sort of seemed like he went, oh, you're lying to him. Noted. <laughs> you know, like, is this going to come? I mean, it's going to come up later, but yeah. you just sort of think, how willfully dumb is Danny that, I mean, he must know that he's, she, he's being lied to. Well, and that, that phone call when they're trying to escape the boneless. Come on. I mean, this... What the fuck else is going on? I mean, if, if he, if he hasn't, like, guessed that from that phone call, he's an idiot. Oh, he's an absolute idiot. But it doesn't justify the fact that oh, no. Clara is lying through her teeth. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, it's getting exceptionally desperate now. It really is. And it's sort of a bit like when we were talking about, you know, again, relationship advice from uh, this humble, here humble podcast. Don't do this. No. If you want a happy and successful relationship. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is getting to the point of, like, it is quite clear that Clara is going to have to choose between one or t'other. Mm. Um, but... You know what? The only thing that kind of made me go a touch ick, mm-hmm. and I think this is this may be sort of t- a bit of a hangover from my feelings from the caretaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, this whole thing of Danny won't allow me to have a toothbrush on here. Yeah. Mm, no, I... Dear Danny, you are not going to fix your relationship by attempting control- to control Clara's behaviour in this way. Hmm. I don't know if it's so much. That or she was just saying that to sort of like try and sell the doctor further on the di- the idea that he's okay. Yeah, with, I mean, I mean it might it might be a further bit of porkification, if you will. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was just a bit like ugh. <laughs> I, that makes my ick go off. But again, I saw another comment on Twitter, a quite a, sort of an angry comment. People saying that who picked on on uh, picked up on this comment and kind of called it out, mm-hmm. and he sort of said. It's it, Clara is lying to Danny, and you know it doesn't. It it's just misandry, you know that mm. nasty word. If you think that you know Clara is somehow the victim in this, so I don't think it's right to accuse people of misandry. Mm. But on the other hand, you know I can I'm allowed to find that somewhat ick in the context mm-hmm. of what of the previous you know past his prologue, right? Yeah. So what we've seen from Danny. Mm-hmm. He seems to be a person who's trying to control this situation mm. in, I think, the wrong way, or what seems to me to be the wrong way. Mm. He seems to be a fairly sort of, like, controlling person. Mm. 
And, you know, clearly he knows his girlfriend is lying to him. So he's trying to control this situation with these sort of little weird things. Mm -hmm. And it's not working. That just kind of, that was my impression. But I think that your interpretation of saying that, you know, she's just laying it on a bit thick, you know, trying to sell this whole thing Mm -hmm. to the doctor, absolutely valid. And I think you're probably, you're probably more likely right. Mm. Uh, So another thing that kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. that Shane uh, pointed out to me as well, Mm -hmm. uh, Shane Thomas from the uh, Greatest Fence Support and History podcast. Hi Shane. Uh, Hi Shane. He, what he said to me was, um, it was interesting that, uh, you know, the, the, the comment that will make me stop in the road and throttle you. If you say this to me, cheer up, love, it might not happen. Oh, I fucking hate. I've look. I (laughs) I suffer from, the affliction called bitchy resting face. Right. <laughs> oh, so gosh. I look miserable the time, even though I'm not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, I've had that said to me and nothing makes me want to swing for you harder. Mm. I think that's just a universal constant. Just... I hate it. Yeah, you know, I mean, but this... say that to people. Don't do that. Not cool. Anyway, but the fact that, you know, Rigsby, Rigsby comes over and he says, oh, sorry for them. And she says, I've had worse. Hmm. That, you know, it does speak to the female experience a bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just an interesting... I mean, it's quite throwaway, but I just thought it was quite interesting that they sort of addressed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of the uh, community service crew, I do also, like have to bring up um, Nobhead. I mean, Fenton. Uh, no, oh, I, was, oh, I was right the first time. <laughs> no, I was right the first time, Nobhead. Um, yeah, Nobhead. Now, I'm just recalling the uh, the excellent meme that erupted <laughs> about 18 months ago. <laughs> Wow, what a dick. <laughs> what a dick. And you know what it reminded me of, actually, when he survives? Voyage of the Damned? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Voyage of the Damned, yeah. Totally with you. Wonder, yeah. I, think, I wonder if that knobhead in Voyage of the Damned is a, a distant relative of uh, knobhead here. Mm. He's the worst kind of... He's, this This guy is in every horror movie, mm-hmm. every like sci-fi thing like that, who whinges all the way through, mm-hmm. won't leave, even though you're quite welcome to, as Clara says. Mm-hmm. You know, tell your story walking, mate. Off you go if you don't like it. Um, but no, sticks around, survives, m- maintains being a reprehensible bastard all the way through. And actually, you know, it's important for Clara that he survives. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, it's that whole thing of we don't get to pick. We can't just pick the nice people to live, mm-hmm. you know. I think also one of the worst things about him is, in a way, he's kind of right about the boneless. When he yeah. says, you know... You know, or maybe they're picking the next target when they're like communicating with them. You know, he's it's it's so fucking irritating. So annoying that he's right. It yeah. really is. But you know, it it's the it's the fact that he went straight to that. Mm. Yeah, it's it it's really annoying. But obviously, to to advance our characters, he has survived as much as we don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's an important lesson for Clara. Yeah. And, it's a bitter pill that the doctors had to swallow on more than one occasion. <laughs> oh yes, oh definitely. But again, sort of perfectly pitched. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that we're so annoyed that he lived, mm-hmm. it speaks to how well the episode is written and put together. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, like again, I have to say it again. Jamie Matheson just just he gets it. He yeah. just gets it. Yeah, I think I've seen a lot of people going like, Jamie Matheson the showrunner. Do you know what? I think if he puts together many more episodes mm, I think like I, this... Yeah. I think, I he's, think well. he's he's certainly two for two. I think maybe we need a little bit more out of him before we can sort of like say, oh yes, successor. 
Now, um, we do have to remember to mention a certain lady by the name of Missy. Oh, yes, the plot thickens. Um, what the absolute fuck is going on there? I've got no idea. But mm. as something that Chuck pointed out to me, it, it you know, is this yet another Stephen, you know, arch Stephen Moffat trope of, of someone being used as a weapon mm. against the Doctor? Yeah, it's certainly... Could she be the third after, you know, Amy and River? It's certainly smacking with that. Um, yeah, but, you know, you sort of, you kind of want more evidence. I mean, I actually, I think that... It actually kind of reminds me, oh, goodness, what was that episode? I think it was last year where you got, no, it wasn't last year. It was the year before when you had, it was sort of kept happening. You'd have these episodes and you'd have like a little flash of River doing something. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it'd be sort of episode over and ooh, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, it, the, the continuing story this year, mm-hmm. I think in an effort to not lay it on thick and have it at the end of every episode, mm-hmm. it kind of almost isn't strong enough for me yet yeah it, it's the the trying not to lay it on too thick but they're spreading out too thin that it doesn't really yep. sort of it, it's not resonating with me yeah they're not hitting the balance yeah i mean because i bit i was a bit like it was more of a raised eyebrow than a sort mm. of thing do you know what i mean mm. i mean um but it's again sort of talking moffat tropes is yet another mysterious woman mm-hmm. he can't get enough of this can he <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had like bloody Madame Kavorian, we've had what's her name, Space Pope, we've had, you know, oh, River. Oh, really? Even, yeah. yeah. It just, it seems to never be anything else with him. Mm. But um, it, the the inclusion of Missy on the, at the end in what she says, it sort of like does add like an extra little slant to what's, what the hell's going on here because. You know, up until this point, she's just been effectively collecting people who have gotten killed to death. Yeah, it does seem... I mean, I would sort of... I would hope that, you know, as I say, three quarters of the way through now, we've got three episodes left. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, it seems to be a two-parter at the end, 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. So really, we've got one episode left mm-hmm. for sort of something to kind of... kind of, To sort of set the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Because we've got kind of a lot of unconnected bits. Yeah. It, it does feel like we're trying to put together a jigsaw that you bought from a charity shop and two-thirds of the bits are missing mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. But the thing is, though, with Moffat, again, because you're always looking for the swerve with him, mm-hmm. you know, are you sort of, are we looking at these pieces too much? Mm-hmm. You know, are we overanalyzing in it? And, you know, by the time we get to 11 and 12, is is this sort of minimalist approach or how it feels to be a minimal, minimalist approach? Mm-hmm. It, will it all sort of come together? I mean, we're not going to know for another couple of weeks. Moffat! Hmm. Shake the fist at you. Although I am quite glad this one hasn't come with a nursery rhyme. Hmm. If I get one more thing at the end of the credits and he's got a creepy nursery rhyme in it, I'm coming to get you, mate. <laughs> well, we've got Blake next week. We've got what next week? Blake, um, in the forest of the night. Oh, yes. I guess I guess. In the night, in the mm. forest of the night, yeah. Burning yeah. in the forest of the night. By no. the way, I does not rhyme with symmetry. No. <laughs> Stupid A levels. <laughs> anyway, it was quite interesting actually. The little, the little um, run sort of um, preview clip which mm. ran. You know, there was a, a you know, a, might want to turn this off people who don't watch that bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, have they gone? Right. So the people, um, there was a red double decker bus. Right. Someone zoomed in on that. Mm-hmm. It's a Doctor Who advert on the side of that double decker bus. Really? Yes, really. Huh. Okay. 
<clears throat> Make of that what you will. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mysteries! Uh, maybe just that. Be... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be... Uh... Much of it, I think it's just. I think it's just like a, a thing. There's a slight oversight that somebody's managed to pick up on. Yeah, yeah. Either that, or it's going to be, you know, like a sort of, you know, you know, Weird man is the deadliest prey or something. It's going to be a bit meta or something, a bit of Hunger Games or some shit like that. <laughs> Although I have to say, I'm slightly worried about the next episode because we do have kids in it. Loads of kids. Uh, Ugh. Oh. But mind you, if there's loads of them, perhaps it'll sort of, you know, kind of thin them out a bit, you know. <laughs> not not like they die, I mean like thin out their annoyingness. Yeah. So anything else you want to mention about Flatline before we get into the scores? Yeah, I wonder where Missy got her iPad. Yeah, funny that. Well, <laughs> I can't imagine her going down the Apple shop. <laughs> well, maybe Steve Jobs is there. Yeah. <gasps> oh, God. I'm not going for years. <laughs> Oh dear me! So anyway, aside from that, <laughs> aside from that, yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon? Oh, you know what? I really thought about this really hard. Mm-hmm. It's a ten. This wow. is my favorite episode of the series so far, wow. and it might be one of my favorite episodes ever. Oh. I can't. I I was really sort of thinking about it's a nine, but I can't think of anything wrong with it. Mm. So I've got to give it a ten. Mm. I'll give it a 9 just because of a few shonky effects, but otherwise just absolutely spot on. I'd give it a 9.5 if I could. I think just that, the Capaldina box, and um, I think some of the trains were a bit uh, duff, but um, overall, it's just, this was just absolutely stonking. Yeah, I really think so. And you know what? I mean, it's it's been so... We've been so... Apart from one and a bit episodes, we've been so pleased with it so far. Mm. I think it would really have to sort of fall off in the next three. Yeah. Be anything less than the best series we've had since 05. Mm. I'm in total agreement with you. So if you'd like to tell us what you thought about Flatline, you can email us at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com or you can visit our Facebook page, which is run by Emma, if you would be so kind, my dear. Yep. Um, If you head over to Facebook, pop in the search bar, Greatest Show in the Galaxy podcast. We pop up, give us a like and scribble something on our wall. Mm. Also, we're on Twitter at Greatest Show Pod. And while you're on Simply Syndicated, do check out everything we've got. uh, Simply everything, all the shows, all that great, great stuff. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And we'll talk to you next week.